Well, welcome, CCV. It's good to be with you, and this series has been a powerful one. Uh, I want to start by asking you if you've ever heard of a guy, if you've ever heard this name, his name is Mr. Beast. Have some of you all heard of Mr. Beast? Mr. Beast is a fun guy. He's got 72 million YouTube subscribers. To put that in perspective, that's the population of Arizona and every state that is contiguous to it. Also, the state of New York, let's throw that in as well. 72 million people. Why do they follow him? Well, he's a very generous man. And he will give things away right and left if you follow him or you're in the right place at the right time. For instance, one time he gave a waitress a $10,000 tip. That would be a good tip for a nice breakfast, right? Uh, another time he had a contest between four guys to see who could keep their hand on a briefcase that had a million dollars in it. The person who kept their hand on it the longest received a million dollars. One thing after another. But one of the coolest things that he does, sometimes when he goes to Walmart or Target, he will bring his camera crew with him and then he will grab a random shopper and he will say, hey, I've got a red circle right here, right there on the ground. He said, you've got 10 minutes to get everything that you want in this store and I'll buy it for free if it's inside the circle. Now, can you imagine? You're, right now you're thinking, aren't you? You're thinking, what would I get? What would I go get, right? Well, can I tell you what you won't go get? You're not gonna go to the, oh, where's the Halloween candy? I'm gonna go get some Kit Kats, right? Nobody's gonna say that. Instead, you're gonna look for things that, that are of value. You're gonna find some, some uh, probably flat screens and maybe some TVs, some laptops, some uh, PlayStations, some jewelry, some gift cards. One guy, when he did that, you know what he did? The first place he ran? He ran to the gift card area. He bought up every single gift card to the fullest amount and brought it and put it in the pile. So what would you do? Sometimes what he'll do is at the nine minute mark, he will say, you got one minute left. You got one minute. You got to get your stuff. And then all of a sudden, if it stays inside that circle, they've got to figure out what stays and what goes. If it stays inside the circle and it's within that red circle, they get it for free. Sometimes we think, you know what? That's, that's kind of what it's like with life. That's what God has kind of done with us. We, we try to cram as much as we possibly can into the circle and we get overwhelmed and stressed out about having too much to, to fit in the circle. But what God actually does is he says, just put me in the center of the circle. He says, just, just, just put me there. And when we do, you know what he does? He draws a bigger circle because he likes to bless us. Now, I'm not talking about a health and wealth gospel or anything like that. I'm just saying that God's math is different than our math. We've learned that whenever we've talked about tithing, how God can make our 90% go further than if we had 100% if we've given to him first. The Sabbath, Ashley talked about it last week. We're finding that if we give him one day of the week and we honor him and we rest our bodies, what happens? We become more productive in the other six days. That's just how God's math works. And so my challenge in this message today is for you to put God in the center of the circle. And this week we turn our attention to a word that is attractive to us, but it's also frightening as well. And the word is simplify. And simplify just means to, to narrow things down, to make something easier to understand. And in a world where each day we're exposed to thousands of ads calling for our attention, 4,000 of them a day, by the way, 
We have to make numerous choices and decisions. And all of those products are begging for you to put them in your circle. And it's a difficult and daunting task to simplify and to narrow down your pursuits and your passions, your your time and your treasure to what is the most important and, and will bring you and the Lord the most joy and fulfillment. And choices and comparisons have a way of unearthing desire and revealing or encouraging covetousness. She's got that? Well, I, I want that. Never mind the fact that an hour ago you didn't even know that that product even existed. But now because someone else has it, oh, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And somehow now your heart is beating faster because you know that in 20 seconds with two clicks, you could have that product on your front door in two days. Some of you have more conversations with the Amazon Prime driver than you do with your loved ones because it's just a habit that we've gotten into. Studies have shown that if the brain is given too many choices, it actually causes the brain to shut down. So... How do we simplify? If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter six, or you can can follow along on the screen if you don't have one with you. But Jesus is going to help you with a strategy, and he's gonna help you prioritize what you put in your red circle. And the first step that he talks about is to clarify your view of stuff. Clarify your view of stuff. And by stuff, I'm I'm talking about your money, your, your possessions, it's, it's easier to get a warped view on those things because we're conditioned to believe from an early age that, that toys and treasures lead to happiness, but that's not always the case. Look at Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and rust, or moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where it says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, it could literally be translated, don't treasure treasures. And we have this tendency to stockpile stuff and to try and keep score by how much we accumulate. I know people who, who, who never give to help people or causes because they, they don't want to cut into their pile of money. They, so they just keep it and they, they spend their time and energy protecting their stash. And that's one of the values of, of simplifying your life. You are boiling things down to what are your needs more so than your wants. You're trying to intentionally focus on the things that, that matter. It's switching from your focus from what you don't have to being grateful and content for what you do have. You know what one of the most booming businesses has been in America in the last decade? It's storage facilities. It's storage units. Why? Because we don't feel like our circle is big enough and it doesn't hold all of the things that we want. Even though on average in America, our homes have twice the square footage that our parents' homes had. It's still not big enough to house all of our purchases and so we we rent storage units. Or in Kentucky, if you have a barn, we put stuff out in the barn because it doesn't fit in the house. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can try, but it's impossible. Let me say it another way. Clarify your, your view of stuff, because if money defines you, it will destroy you. I promise you that's true. Back in the 19th century, David Livingston was a, a well-known longtime missionary in Africa. And he was instrumental in, in taking the gospel to remote parts of Africa. He, he risked bodily harm on numerous occasions in his effort to share the story of Christ with, with first-time people who, who threatened to kill him for sharing the gospel. But Livingston was so well-loved and respected that when he passed away, they buried him in two places. His body was brought by a ship over to England where he was, was laid to rest in Westminster Abbey. But before he left Africa, now this is gonna sound bizarre and it's also gonna sound barbaric, but before he left Africa, the natives wanted to show their love for him and respect for him. And so they cut his heart out of his chest and they shipped the body to England and they said his body belongs in England but his heart belongs in Africa. And that's where his heart was buried. What would those who know you best, where would they, where would they bury your heart? I mean, just think about it for a minute. Where, where would they bury your heart? Would, would it be at the office? Would it be at the pool? Would it be at the country club? Would it be in front of a mirror? Uh, would it be at the golf course? Would it be here at church? Where would your friends or family lobby to be the final resting place for your heart? Where would your heart feel the most at home? I'll give you a hint. It will be very close to what you value, because your heart always follows your treasure. Well, there's a second step that Jesus is gonna give us to help prioritize what you put in your red circle. And that is that, that we need to trust that God will provide, that, that he's, he's taking care of us. Jesus wants to reduce our anxiety by bolstering our, our trust. Let's look at Matthew chapter six. Let's look at verse 25 to start with. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So he's talking about some necessities here. You have to have clothes and you, you have to have food and, and drink. Let's look at, at the next passage, 28 through 31. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of, of little faith? So Jesus is talking about these necessities. He's talking about food and he's talking about clothing. We could probably throw shelter in there because in, in his setting, they, it wasn't that cold at night and it wasn't that hot at night either. And so some people did live basically outside. Our world's a little different, especially here in Phoenix. You guys, 115 degrees in the summer. It's nice to have some shelter. 
Same for those on the East Coast. When it gets five degrees below zero, it's nice to have some shelter. John Mark Comer, who wrote the book, Ruthlessly Eliminate Hurry, he says, for a lot of people, things aren't just things. They are identities. And he's right. And that's very convicting. Did you know that years ago, one of the guys who worked at a Wall Street broker, worked for Lehman Brothers, his name was Paul Mazur. He, he said this quote, we must shift America from a need to a desires culture. People must be trained to desire, to want new things, even before the old have been entirely consumed. We must shape a new mentality. Man's desires must overshadow his needs. Well, they succeeded. You can check that box. They have created discontent. And for some of us, simplifying is tougher than it is for for others. Let me ask a question of all of you all from every campus, all right? Audience participation time here. Uh, where are my practical, organized people who, who get rid of stuff in their office or at home if they don't use it for a long time? Where, where are those people? Put your hands up. Be proud of it. All right. Now let's change the question. Where are my people who keep things for years and years and you never throw things away? You're not a hoarder, but you're a keeper. We'll call ourselves keepers. All right. Because you never know when that might come back. Right. So where are those people? Great, I, I will see you at our support group meeting, okay? Because I am right there with you, you know? I'm the guy who says, hey, leisure suits, they might come back, babe, they might come back, I'm telling you. Or a, a pet rock that I was given when I was 12 years old, you know, oh, you know we, we might need that. And so I'm a, I'm a keeper, and my excuses to my wife on my office being so messy, my wife will look at that, and I'll always say, well, you know, what can I say, I'm, I'm, I'm creative, you know? I'm very productive, and that's, that's why I, I know where everything is, and I have piles everywhere. And uh, on, on Enneagram, I'm a seven, and my wife is a one. You know what that means? Lots of times we don't get along. That's what that means, all right? Uh, you don't have to know a lot about Enneagram just to know that, okay? But I have a lot of stuff. Sometimes my wife will not come in my office because it makes her physically sick to come in and just see stuff everywhere. It looks like a bomb went off. At the church where I used to work a number of years ago, we had this one hallway that had uh, 10 offices of pastors. And there was five on one side of a hallway and five on the other side of the hallway. And one night we had a, a, a break-in and some burglars broke in. And from the security footage, we could tell that there were two different people. And they just randomly ransacked their way through every single office. And they just pilfered their way through and they would look for electronic items, anything that had resale value. And the whole time they would just make a huge mess and they would just trash the office. Every single office was broken into and something stolen except for one. <laughs> and it was mine. And everybody's like, well, how come stones wasn't broken into? How come they didn't break into Dave's office? And, you know, were, were you in on it, Dave? That's what they were saying. Were you in on it? I said, no, no. And we finally figured out why. You know why? It's a two-man job. They came down through the offices. I promise you that each one of them went into my office at one point and said, oh, my buddy's already been in here. <laughs> so they just had it on, right? So that may be the only upside and positive to not simplifying 
But other than that, simplifying your life is really wise. More stuff can lead to more stress because your mind becomes distracted rather than focused. And so I was trying to think as I was writing this sermon, how could we get a different perspective, an objective observer to share maybe how America has perhaps tarnished or influenced us by the pull of advertising? And a couple of weeks ago, I was with a a mission organization uh, where people have left America to go serve in Uganda. And so this week, I just, I just reached out to some of them to get some of their observations. Let me just read what one of them said to me. This is what she wrote. America's fixation on stuff is maddening to me now. I didn't take a ton with me to Uganda, but the more time went by, the more the Lord provided for me. People love to ask me what I miss most from the U.S. living in Africa. There were material things I missed, a certain cozy blanket or sweatshirt, specific food items that that can't be found in Uganda. But we have never once been naked or hungry or without a roof over our heads. And what I really miss isn't my stuff. It's my people. We just truly don't need all the stuff that we think we do. We need each other. And you might say, well, you know, okay, all right, Dave. Well, she's a missionary, so she's probably out of touch with with the real world. Well, no, she's she's actually pretty in touch. She's a homecoming queen of her high school in Nashville. She went to Uganda, and eight years after she graduated high school, her first book was a New York Times bestseller. But I think she feels that way about stuff, not because she's a missionary, but because she's a Christ follower. And that's the difference. She is away from America on the constant barrage of ads, and it has shown her that she doesn't need all that stuff. I talked to another American who's gone over to Uganda. He said, having less choices on what to wear, eat, and do has actually saved us quite a bit of time and a lot of stress. We have much less stress in our day-to-day life. While we stay busy with the ministry, we find that our time at home is more restful because we have less to worry about. How many of you would like your home to be more restful and peaceful? Some of that depends on what's in the center of your circle. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That word greed, you know what it means? It means discontent. It means always wanting more. You're just not satisfied. You just need a little bit more. And discontentment breeds hurry and impatience. But something strange happens when as Christians we learn to be content and to change from acquisition mode to relinquishing mode. I'm not saying to be apathetic about your your savings or the clothes you wear or the place where you live. After all, Jesus himself said, anyone who doesn't take care of their family is worse than an unbeliever. But your goal is to be moving toward contentment and learning that Jesus is the key to contentment. And there is something wrong when we become dissatisfied and we think that some product or possession is going to bring us lasting joy. When we simplify... We're actively moving toward contentment. And less stuff 
really does mean less stress. And less stuff means more margin. And more margin means healthier relationships. Simplifying isn't about living with nothing, it's about living with less. And God wants to use what we have been blessed with. God wants you to use that to his glory, to see our role as a a conduit, as someone who directs the dollars to where they will do the most good. Someone who postures and positions their possessions to have the greatest kingdom impact. It's okay to have things. Just make certain that the things don't have you. Well, clarify your view of stuff. Trust that God will provide and prioritize your pursuit of Jesus. It comes back to that. In fact, this whole passage builds to verses 31 through 33. Look at it. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's a promise that God will take care of our necessities if we put him in the circle first and we put him in the center. Jesus doesn't say, uh, don't worry about what shall we eat or drink or wear. Uh, He doesn't say that because of the fact that these people had so much. He says it because they had so little. Because the crowd that he was speaking to at the Sermon on the Mount, they they lived hand to mouth and lots of times they didn't know what their next meal was going to be. And so his advice was to trust God for life's necessities. But we live in a completely different world. We never go hungry. We have plenty of selection of clothes. We have a roof over our heads. Can you imagine what Jesus would would say to us today? I mean, there's dozens of different things that he would talk about. There's dozens of things that he would say, but I think that the single greatest thing that he wouldn't talk to us about would be the greatest distraction to our putting him in the center of our circle. And the greatest distraction to our time with Jesus is this. It just is. And we are living in a place and a time where people don't use their phones, they worship their phones. The studies about our smartphones reveal some very frightening statistics. In America, on average, a person checks their phone 150 times a day. On average a day, you touch your phone over 2,000 times. You say, oh, that's impossible. Well, no, the actual number is 2,617. And if you're following a whole bunch of people on Instagram or you're on Facebook and you're just scrolling your way through and you're just going along every time you're touching, oh, you like that? That's two more taps toward that number. If you're a millennial, the number is over 4,000 touches a day. So what does that, that say? How can we simplify in this area? Well, we could turn off our notifications to news outlets and, and tell yourself that you will only check your phone on the hour Maybe you'll only return text messages or emails in the first five or 10 minutes of the hour. You could take a fast from social media for two days a week. You could put your phone away at meals. You can get creative. There's all sorts of things that you can do. Use your phone. It's great. Just don't be consumed with it. 30 years ago, this wasn't even available. And yet now, 
for the majority of Americans, it would be the very first thing that we put in the circle. I find it ironic that the biggest temptation we face each day to simplify our lives and to keep us from our time with the Lord is a device that has a picture on it of an apple with a bite taken out of it. Satan isn't even subtle. He is so brazen that he plants a picture on there that 20 years ago when you first saw it made everyone immediately think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But not anymore. We've become oblivious to the obvious and Satan has got to be laughing his head off because he has distracted us from our main purpose for being here. These were supposed to simplify our lives, but instead they have complicated our lives because they can keep us from becoming content. And so for, for many, we spend our time searching for our self-worth and how we look in our filtered pictures or how many likes a picture gets on Instagram and we're consumed with what others think of us and so our social media takes precedence over the people who are right there in front of us in the flesh. We have exchanged love for likes and instead of building his kingdom, we've become consumed with building our kingdom and increasing our following. And for many, not for all, but for many, the time spent on social media is unconsciously spent comparing and competing because in our posts and in our reels, we control what we want others to see and know about us. And the emphasis tends to be on how you look, where you live, and who you wear. Now don't misunderstand me. Phones, phones are not inherently bad, okay? There's so many good uses. There's so many spiritual things that, that you can do with your phone that, that advances the cause of Christ. Phones are not inherently bad. But we are inherently bad. We have a sinful nature. And our devotion to God is so weak that we choose what a phone can do for us rather than what God's spirit can do in us. And the result is that popularity and possessions become our pursuit. And Christ is no longer the priority of our lives. We've pushed him out of the circle. And so what I'm saying is, your circle can't hold that much stuff. And so you gotta start with Jesus. And he will expand your territory and he will enlarge your circle as he sees fit. He's a, he's a good father who likes to give good gifts to his kids. And so if God has blessed you with the house, then open your home up for a small group to meet there or invite neighbors over for a meal. If God has blessed you with time, then, then pour into someone Adopt an elderly person to regularly check in, listen to people at work. If God has blessed you with a skill, then find a, a high school student and, and teach them how to do that skill. If God has blessed you with finances, then make it your goal each and every week just to see how you can help people out, how you can bless people anonymously or in some way advance the cause for Christ. Because whatever we put in that circle, We've got to be intentional about it. We've got to sense an urgency. We've got to make an eternal difference because when it's all said and done, what will be in your circle 
Would, would there be so much stuff there that there's no people there? Would there be a lot of people there and no Jesus there? Here's my challenge for you, okay? The challenge is a tough one. (laughs) What do you need to remove from your circle so that Jesus can be at the center of it? I've got something here because I want you to visibly see a circle. I want you to picture it. Because when you think about your circle, you have to really wrestle with what it is that you're gonna put in there and whether or not Jesus is gonna be at the center of it. So every time you see a circle this week, wherever it might be, I want you to think about where's Christ? Have I put him in the center? You know, there's something different about Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast will tell you when you're at the nine minute mark and he'll say you got one minute left. And so you gotta hurry and put it together and make certain that it fits in your circle. But God doesn't do that with us. We don't know when he's gonna come back and we don't know when we're gonna die. So we have to make certain of the things that we put in there. Crawford LaRitz said it like this. He said, at birth, you look like your parents. At death, you look like your decisions. So you've got to decide where is Jesus fit in? Where is he gonna be in your life? Where is he gonna be in your circle? If you removed everything that wouldn't matter in eternity, would your circle be empty? My mom passed away about five years ago and my my dad joined her in heaven earlier this year. In the spring, my brother and I, we we were going through all sorts of my parents' belongings and it's a very surreal experience trying to decide what to keep for posterity and what to get rid of. But I came across a typed manuscript of a talk my mother had given back in 1972. Now you have to understand something. My mom only spoke publicly maybe a handful of times in all of her life. But she did say yes to speaking for an area women's luncheon. And toward the end of the talk, she, she talked about a car accident that our family had been in five years before she gave this speech. And it was a rainy day. We were hit head on by an oncoming car going 55 miles per hour. My brother Jeff and I were not injured. My dad had to have 21 pieces of glass surgically removed from his eyes. My mom had a skull fracture and awakened to find herself in an ICU unit fighting for her life. And mom was given a 50-50 chance of survival. And in this speech, she, she was sharing from her heart of what was going through her mind as she lay in this ICU unit. And when Jeff and I, we were going through our parents' belongings, not only did I find the manuscript of my mom's talk, but I also found a cassette tape. It's a recording of her talk. And I just want you to listen to her final two minutes of that talk. And as you listen, I want you to think about your circle. We had two children that we loved as much as parents can love their children. So I didn't want to leave Sam, nor Jeff, nor David. And I fought like a tiger for my life. 
But still, as my life grew weaker, I had this wonderful peace. I felt if I were to die that night, it was okay. And I wasn't afraid. There in my heart were Jeff, David, Sam, God, and I. And then I grew weaker, and it was Sam, God, and I. And then it was just God and I. And how beautiful it was. He was as real to me as the nurse standing beside the bed. This is what I want you to remember. In the end, when you are leaving this earth, it's not going to matter if you've worn the very best clothes and lived in a mansion. This is what the world counts as greatness. But the most important thing at that time will be your relationship with God. The greatest inheritance that you can leave your children is eternal life, not farms, businesses, or houses. Never forget Jesus' promise. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. There's probably not a lot to add to what my mom said. So if all you have is Jesus, you got everything you need. And the circle is complete. Uh, we're going to close. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask the band to come out. And we're going to sing about what's in your circle. And uh, I just I want to encourage you to worship right alongside with the worship team. Let's worship together.